0: Just a little 10 piece for it, just to blow it in the mob. Doesn't mean that we five involved. I just what? I just uh, put a rigid on the card. I ain't gon' playin' ball, but I'll show you how the fuck you gotta do it if you really wanna pause. Take your when and are back against the wall. And a bunch of niggas need you to go away. Stayin' going bad on them anyway. Saw you last night, but did a draw day. Yeah, a lot of murk, call
1: All right, we're back once again, folks,
0: live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to another episode of How You Living, specifically episode 75. 75, that's three quarters. We can play a game of pool. Hell
1: yeah. Uh, And here we are in the Chaz Tower, down in the half million dollar studios. A.K.A. patio adjacent, folks. <laughs> we yep. could be doing a bonfire. We could have a kiddie pool out there, chilling in the sun in the summertime. Indeed. Uh, right now, it is Independence
0: Day, folks. It is. Wow, Starring that's right. We Jeff are Goldblum recording. Jeff and Will Smith. <laughs> we are recording on uh, America's birthday. Yeah, 4th of July. Yeah. Good old Tommy J <laughs> turned in his homework. <laughs> And the Declaration of
1: Independence and all the yachts, a yada yacht, yachts. Uh, but yeah, we are here, folks, in episode 75 on July 4th uh, to bring you uh, the news of the week and month. And since we've last recorded and a lot's gone on, but first I'd like to check in with my man Chaz. How you living?
0: Uh, you know what? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. and Life is starting to stabilize a little bit. You know, had some interesting, in, interesting epiphanies uh, about some of the core things that have been going on with the, uh, I guess, what you could call like the the divide in the country. So, so yeah, it's been good. Yeah, uh, we got through
1: a uh, couple Democratic debate nights there. T- oh yeah, ten candidates each. Mm-hmm. We can uh, dive into that when we get in the episode. Indeed, indeed. Uh,
0: you know, Trump's still there, still. Uh, popping off about random shit i mean yeah but he's the he was the first sitting president to walk across the dmz that's um that that'll give him some political clout it's
1: it's interesting yeah Yeah. that's an interesting move um but uh yeah he did he actually visited north korea Mm -hmm. um and so you know I mean, yeah, we've we I think we've said this on the show that ultimately, if the, if there are positives that come out of his presidency in the form of some type of diplomatic mm-hmm. relations or um, ending of, of of present conflicts and uh, and beefs and whatnot, that would be a good thing, and we would mm-hmm. accept it. it. Doesn't make him our legitimate president in the sense that he doesn't represent us and the values we have, Mm -hmm. but his successes can still be applauded if they come through because it's like we're, we're stuck with him. And so, yeah, Yeah. technically if he fixes, I don't even, you know how long that would take the North Korea situation alone would
0: be. Yeah, that'd be big. It'd be, it'd be huge. And I mean, they did leave that one summit that they had before. And now this is bringing them back at least to the negotiating table. So that's something yeah. Um I mean there's been negotiations tried by you know Clinton, Bush and Obama and they've all failed. Uh and I guess we I always have to comment on how disturbing it is that he really likes autocratic leaders versus um you know more diplomatic leaders, but um other part of me wonders like would, would Trump you never know if he's doing it because like he openly wants to be this way. Or if he's doing it for his constituents or uh, some part of me thinks, cause he always likes to talk about strong people. Right. He's like a very forceful person. Yeah. So I wonder if he likes those people because they're also forceful people and that force leads to like human rights violations, which I don't think he looks at. Um, but, but yeah, it's very interesting that like, His maybe his sort of approach to just life might be the actual thing he he need or I guess America needs to negotiate with North Korea instead of the whole diplomatic. But why you got to have nuclear bombs? But why you got right? Like it's weird. It's it's counterintuitive, but it might be effective. And I guess that's what's important. All things considered. So I don't know. (laughs) it's, It's a tough one. But hey, it's where we're at.
1: Yeah, and then meanwhile, he's definitely stressing relations in other places with the whole kind of mm-hmm. Iran situation. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, politically, he's he's still a, a dumpster fire. Uh, but enough about the random intros. Uh, we here stay to a strict regimen of segments. <laughs> uh, how You Live In, if anything, is structurally sound. And it's built on a foundation of a segment I like to call Callbacks c c callbacks. c uh, callbacks Bam. And uh, it's where we take a look at the episodes and topics we've had in the past and kind of how they've evolved and changed and been brought to this week. So, uh, Chaz, starting off our callback segment, what's going on in your mind these days?
0: Uh, I have a weird callback. Remember when we talked about presidents and their heights and all that? Right. <laughs> I found out that the shortest president was James Madison at 5'4". And I'm five four, okay. so, so like, and then uh, there was the gist of them, I think the the tallest ones have been about six two, and there's been a bunch there then six one, six even, and then then kind of in the average range, I just checked on one quick website, and I just thought it was interesting that he was the shortest, and back then where I guess maybe like height wasn't as big of a deal, but I guess people in general were shorter back then, so that's to be expected, so. Even though tall people are still rarities in in a lot of cases, you we just see them a lot in society because they're usually brought out in the forefront for celebrity and you know sports and all that jazz. But anyway, right? I thought that was interesting,
1: and and I think you know most of the modern presidents are at least five ten. Mm-hmm. Kind of the running. Uh, in the modern era so and that in my mind has a lot to do since like the newsreel Mm -hmm. you had the presentation of a visual president Mm -hmm. in more of a way than just a newspaper photo or whatever and i think i think height became a thing in that in that kind of picturing us around the world unfortunately it's Mm -hmm. like you know held as a as a thing, you know? Um, but you know, I think we're going to, you know, we're going to start to see that unfold where we'll, we'll have a shorter president at some point. We'll have a more, uh, kind of rich, uh, ethnic background of people that are going to be elected president eventually. And eventually we will have some women candidates that actually win the role, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, we just have to continue, you know, building the party in, the the way in the values that we believe so that the representatives that choose that designation to be in the parties that we support uh, you know line up to some degree with some of those values and help bring those around you know and as that happens I think those people with those values are going to be more open to bringing in people with different viewpoints coming from different backgrounds and uh, and and hopefully you know we you know moving forward our democratic process should be able to survive even a Trump presidency, you know?
0: I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess the one thing I always notice now is a lot of things that people might have thought was, like, codified by law or, like, put into bylaws was more of a, like, de facto process. And I think because of that now, I think – I wonder what will happen when we have the next Democratic president, whether that's in 2020 or 2024 or, or like, OK, or even if it's not in 2024. Oh, good Lord. I don't know. I don't know what will happen to America at that point. Right? right. I should probably wouldn't even know if it didn't happen in 2020. But I guess I would say uh, when there is a president that isn't. Yeah, I would still say like a left president to see uh, if the Congress is still in their favor and things of that nature. um what types of things can they pass to like regulate, you know, executive power and and just kind of like make the government function more the way it's supposed to function, um, or I guess idealistically was supposed to function. So right, so it'd be it's very interesting to see kind of the holes that need to be plugged in the democratic process because the democratic process in a lot of ways is kind of fucked because of statism, but there's R- a whole nother thing, right?
1: Well, and uh, speaking of um, callbacks that involve pol- politics, uh, recently since we recorded the U.S. Supreme Court rejected the electoral map manipulation case, mm-hmm. which was trying to get rid of uh, gerrymandering mm-hmm. practice. And they struck it down, uh, allowing gerrymandering essentially to continue as is. Is kind of a, a state's rights yeah. decision. Five-four uh, ruling. Um, And so, you know, they're going to continue to make these maps in these red states that make it more and more difficult for Democratic candidates to win multiple districts, therefore getting uh, multiple representation at the legislature level. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, running uh, full time uh, Senate and House representatives um, uh, from the Democratic Party. So, it, it, you know, moving forward, this this is a big deal because this went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh-huh. So I think it can have some um, life in the court of appeals for a little while. But other than that, this case has pretty much been uh, stricken down. And so that, that actually goes back to, like, when I was in uh, political science school, like, you had to kind of select uh, uh, some type of... T- topic within politics to kind of focus on Mm -hmm. kind of aiming you towards the idea of a thesis. If you went on to grad school and I chose redistricting Mm -hmm. as my kind of independent study and mostly because it had the most impact on the types of people that represent us in government. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of in my mind, like the most overlooked element that's the most important of our politics. Yeah. If the least important, most looked at was president. Because mm-hmm. to to until they start doing these executive orders and and then the way they negotiate is powerful. But other than that, like they don't have direct legislative power as president. Um, is it's their popularity amongst the people thinking they're important is huge. Mm-hmm. Versus districts, people probably don't even
0: know the number of their district or their district representative. Um, I think ours is. Uh, let me see. Oh God, Miss Jaya Paul. In at okay. least in the House of Representatives, okay, for the uh, yeah, North Seattle
1: and King County, oh, mm-hmm. I think ours is just King County, yeah,
0: yeah, I think they yeah, I think that's how that one works, but I couldn't tell you, even though I should know this, who is the representative of my particular city council district, I think it's Deborah Juarez, but I could be wrong, yeah,
1: it's less important now because we have two at large city council members, so. They essentially have a two-thirds vote over whatever mm, mm. Um, decision you, you'd make as a district voter. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's interesting um, that they you know ruled that, and also it's kind of a, a piece to the puzzle. The census has agreed that they can keep the residency question in the 2020 census.
0: No, no, no. It, it's not on there. No, it's, it's not now. No, no, no. Okay. No, that's misinformation. No, no. No.
1: Census 2020 uh, questions. Because I I swear – oh, okay. Trump's continuing to exercise the effort to add the citizenship question by 2020.
0: Okay. Yeah, but no, that definitely – I think it was John Roberts that went with the four other liberal justices and struck it down. That And they cited that—and and actually the interesting thing about that one is that they cited that it was not out of the realm of possibility to add a census question or, or a, a question about citizenship um, on the census. Um, they just thought that—or at like least he thought, um, the other justices voted yes to it, um, that you could do this, that he thought his reasons, to put it bluntly, were bullshit, so— so that's the only reason why that didn't get, like, that struck through. But, like, yeah, talking about, like, the two of these are so important to be done together because a lot of the redistricting that happens every 10 years is because of the census. Exactly. Um, And so, yeah, I am happy he didn't get to uh, put that on the census report because that's highly xenophobic and highly racist because you know exactly why he's doing it. Um, But also that, oh, what, how should I put this? Yeah, so the uh, census itself is set to start April 1st Mm -hmm. of next year. So, yeah. um, Oh, I know what I was going to say. The Constitution has it where you have to count the people who live within the country. mm -hmm. It doesn't say whether, like, it doesn't make any stipulations of are they undocumented, you know, are they legal citizens, are they green card holders, are they visa holders, it doesn't matter. Right. Who's living in America, let's count them. Right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well, you
0: know, we'll see. Hopefully
1: they keep the question off, but also uh, be interesting. Uh, Washington gained a seat in the House of Representatives on the last count of uh, oh, interesting. the census. Okay.
0: Yeah. So
1: um, we'll see if that trend continued.
0: I think it it, it might. There, there's there been, a, well, at least here in western Washington, there's been a fuck ton of people
1: moving yeah. here. I think even Spokane has grown to some degree, too. So yeah, it's it's definitely a growing state. Uh Oregon was uh second on the list they would have received if Washington hadn't. Mm. So we'll see kind of where. Uh it's a growth pattern so they technically could get it even with a smaller population based on the number of people that moved in if it pushed mm-hmm. the needle over the uh the the mark as as it were. And most of those usually come I think uh Washington's came from Texas. Oh, okay, and, or something like that. It was like there's there's people that have the, the lost one because more citizens moved out of there. Texas might have been a destination state. I'd, ha- I'd have to relook at those, but yeah, the, there was other ones you could see where the shift was coming from. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's like something to the coasts and to Florida coming out of like the the middle of the country. It's kind mm. of okay. That makes sense. The base of it. Uh, but yeah, census. Uh, and then uh, of course. If we don't have any other callbacks, yeah, that, I don't have any. That brings us to episode seventy-five. Here on uh, what was I saying? July fourth, uh, celebrating our independence to host our own show. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, obviously, uh, I have some uh topics coming out of the whole
0: debate-centered. Uh, week we had I'm cool with that that's probably pretty much what I was going to talk about and I can use that to kind of go over what I found uh, in Tulsi Gabbard's deep dive sort of okay right and then actually and after that after seeing the debates I have like the next swath of people that I want to start looking at Um, that came out of that of course we're looking at Andrew Yang next and and of course
1: so yeah so uh how did you think Tulsi Gabbard did in the
0: debate which of the was she in the first day of debates um i think oh gosh i can't remember off the top of my head yeah there there was two two
1: nights i think she was on the first one with uh elizabeth warren oh yeah uh and uh how, how do you think tulsi gabbard came off since you you're tied into your deep dive and then we'll talk about some of the more yeah Mainstream candidates.
0: Um, I think uh, Tulsi put her uh, platform out there. Uh, A lot of the feedback that I heard from uh, things that I looked at and friends that I talked to is that um, she uh, didn't come out very strong. But when she went against another candidate whose name I can't remember – When he was talking about like what happened in 9-11 and how she joined the U.S. military because of 9-11 and he was getting his facts wrong. So she really came out strong that way. Um, And a lot of people are saying like in the next debate, which is supposed to be July 30th and July 31st um, in Milwaukee, I believe uh that she needs to come out a lot more strongly uh with her issues and and when I looked into her like she definitely kind of like in the same way Pete Buttigieg does like she she tacks on all the progressive things like Medicare for all and and like voting reforms and things like that so I think like she presents herself as a progressive candidate But I don't think a lot of people who are progressive see her out there in the space being a progressive candidate because she's one of the people that I've been jokingly – well, not jokingly saying, but I feel like based on their rhetorical style that they might do a little better primarying Trump. Um, But then I've heard people say that she shouldn't do that because she wouldn't be good on the domestic issues um and when i watched her thing on joe rogan and she talked about the aloha spirit and how she was able to do um cross party coalitions of bills and everything Uh, because she did a nice gesture to kind of get into the thing and kind of how uh, when you get to Congress itself, it's very party division from the get-go. So I think that has allowed her to resonate with people on the right, and I don't think you can discount her as a candidate because of that. So where she doesn't seem to be totally policy-driven in her own way, um, it does seem like she like the heart-based approach that she's taken uh, is having an effect on some voters out there.
1: Right. Yeah. She's a strong candidate in her own right. Um, coming out of Hawaii's second congressional district, which she's been representing since 2013. Mm -hmm. Uh, she, she's actually, uh, the same age as me. (laughs) (laughs) She's, uh, eight months older than me. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and, uh, she served obviously in the National Guard, which actually at one point was deployed in Iraq and at another in Kuwait. So she's got that military background, which is probably kind of helping her serve talking to the uh, the other side, as it were. Uh, and Indeed. She, she was opposed to the TPP.
0: So interesting. That sets
1: her apart. Um, and yeah, she's got she's got some cloudy, interesting.
0: Ed- It would be interesting to look into, like, maybe as a callback to see why she was against the TCP. Uh, Because I don't know enough about it to have, like, a strong opinion. I just have, like, my overview of uh, in order to make sure that we can stay economically strong against such a powerhouse that is China, we need to do an allegiance with every other country in that particular area. So we have a coalition that allows us to be as big as them or bigger than them. That that was my understanding of it. Uh, The paragraph states, Gabbard opposed the TPP and led protests against it
1: as a member of the House Foreign Affairs Subcommittee on Asia and the Pacific. Uh She criticized both the deal itself and the secrecy surrounding negotiations, arguing that it would primarily benefit multinational corporations and be a detriment to American workers and the environment.
0: Oh, well, of that on that grounds then kudos to you. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. But okay. that
1: those were her statements
0: yeah, in girl. in 2015 because
1: <laughs> if you remember the TPP was uh election fodder for 2016 uh-huh. uh
0: but of course stricken down by President Trump, so we're not doing it but um no i mean if if that's the reason like that's interesting cuz if trump got out of it because even though that coalition should exist and but that coalition wouldn't serve the like american workers Right, and the broad scope of American workers, you know, like blue-collar workers, tech workers, everything in between. Right. I can—I'm okay with that, right? But what I guess what I'm not okay about is not having an allegiance whatsoever because I think that's even more damaging to American workers. Right. Right, so I do think there needs to be some sort of allegiance in that area. I just think—and actually, funny enough, I— if told Tulsi, I would love it if she came out with a policy for that. And if she has and I just didn't see it, then I probably need to look a little bit harder. But right. I think like from I guess not a lot of people pick people based on policy. Um, it's I guess what I look at. But I guess I'm a neoliberal in that sort of sense. But um, right. But, well, oh, oh OK. It.
1: Well, and then, of course, uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, participated in the same first uh debate mm-hmm. with Tulsi Gabbard, um and yeah, and I I do agree with what you're saying that um based on policy and if you look up people how they were voting and why and the statements they made in regards to that because mm-hmm. most of their statements are public, um you can kind of follow the types of decisions they make with regards to policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on in the list of candidates on night one. Uh, we also had Elizabeth Warren, who uh, opened the, uh, the debate on MSNBC, uh, and there was a question about the economy. I've got a few seconds of that. So okay.
2: I think of it this way. Who is this economy really working for? It's doing great for a thinner and thinner slice at the top. It's doing great for giant drug companies. It's just not doing great for people who are trying to get a prescription filled. It's doing great for people who want to invest in private prisons, just not for the African-Americans and Latinx whose families are torn apart, whose lives are destroyed, and whose communities are ruined.
1: So, uh, obviously, strong Democratic point values there Uh you know uh uh, talking about how the rich are getting richer and the poor of course are getting left behind right and uh making reference then to uh groups and minorities who are even more affected uh the decisions and policies
0: i do have to say kudos to like the debates themselves to actually uh, i always don't always use pandering but at least they seem like when it comes to working class people, they seem to be speaking directly to them again instead of kind of just like, because, you know, coastal elites is a thing that doesn't necessarily have to be blue. And I know there's a lot of things that I exude because I am a coastal elite. Like all I've lived is on the coast, like all my life, like like all my life. Um, so I get it. <clears throat> and, and, but like coming from Philadelphia where, you know, that blue collar vibe is there, which... I think I've mentioned before, it didn't shock me that Pennsylvania went to Trump uh, during then because of that and because of friends that I talked to um, overall, too. So kind of figuring out, like, I think um, after... into it for traditional values and everything like that where uh there's the man of the house that needs to work for his family and have the opportunity to do that and that's usually what's touted by um republicans as good jobs and one of the things that tulsi said um during her debate is that she wanted to bring back good jobs too and and that i guess like my brain went that's why my brain went maybe you should be primarying trump because that was a very or it felt very much like a um Uh, what's it called A, a, a very Republican thing to say but maybe now that I'm thinking of it now having this discussion that maybe it's not just a Republican thing to say maybe it's like you should say that because there are individuals in our society where that is highly valuable to them right and because that's highly valuable to them what can we do with our policy measures and our allegiances with other countries to make sure that globalism doesn't leave them behind So I I think definitely she gets some point, like definitely Senator Warren gets points for pointing it out there. Uh, But yeah, I think Tulsi Gabbard, she mentioned that. I forget where at in the debates, but now that I think of that, I'm like, I can see, I can see where her appeal is for like, maybe I haven't heard any of my liberal or neoliberal friends uh, talk about her, but I definitely see where her appeal is to some individuals on the right.
1: Right. Right. And, uh, continuing with the, uh, first night, uh, candidates, uh, of course, our own Washington governor, uh, Mr. Jay Inslee is running for the, uh, um, presidency and he, he had an interesting moment on, uh, uh, the debate stage trying to support and, uh, be the candidate in positive motion towards women's rights. Uh, it didn 't quite go as planned for him on that particular measure. And
2: I am the only candidate here who has passed a law protecting a woman 's right to reproductive health and health insurance, and I respect everybody 's goals and plans here. but we do have one candidate that 's actually advanced the ball. And we got to have access for everyone. I've done it as a public eye. Senator I want to get you. I just want to say there's three women up here that have fought pretty hard for a woman's right to choose. I'll start with that.
0: So, I mean, oh God, I don't, like, uh, doesn't that hurt? I mean, that, that, that hurts, but like, that's the, uh, okay. I, I'm upset right now because he, to, he talks specifically about something, Right. He said, like, is it—I it, would only come down on him if it was untrue that he was the only candidate that pushed through a legislation that uh-huh. protects a woman's right to choose for insurance, right? That's what he specifically said, right? So, I mean, I get that there's three women up on that stage, and I know they're fighting for abortion, but don't come back with some nut-ass shit and broaden the <laughs> scope of that fucking shit to make a point. That's what I'm upset about, right? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, All right? Like, I, I know— No, I'm just, uh, like that's what he specifically said. Don't like, Oh, we deal with that on the other side too much. Don't y'all go doing it too. Right? Because yes. And I get that. And, and I like that he had the awareness, and he believes, like in his core values, that it, that's something he should push through, right? And right. and what he's trying to say is, like, yes, if I was in office and this came across my table, I would make sure it was codified in the law. That's all I was trying to say, right? But you know, right? <laughs> but, I'm sorry, like, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> people would be mad as shit at me for that, but and
1: and of <laughs> course, mentioning Jay Inslee, his number one uh cause is, of course, the environment, mm-hmm. and so he got one kind of zinger in about that um they didn't really give him a lot of time on the stage during the first debate uh his uh quote from that moment was it's not the right of ceo of mcdonald's makes two thousand times more than the people working at mcdonald's Mm -hmm. donald trump's simply wrong he says wind turbines cause cancer i say they cause jobs
0: See, this, like, the one interesting thing I did find about Jay Inslee that um, I think eventually probably after the third or fourth debate is probably when he'll drop out. But I think a lot of the things that he said there during the debate, I think that some of the stronger candidates should take that on as a very measurable and very positive um, sort of policy positions. Right. Because I think one of the instances, like when I look at people who support you know, fossil fuels and oil and all that, it all comes down to jobs. It's like, hey, and where I live in the country, this is the types of jobs that we knew would allow us to serve our family and our community. And now that shit's gone, I want it back.
1: I actually so. think he's kind of a an interesting dark horse uh, mm. uh, vice president selection. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he he's not. You can't have like you can't have the at odds people mm-hmm. in the in the in the uh, executive. So you got to have to have someone that's kind of passive to the ideas that the person that's president is leading but still has, like, a voice. Mm -hmm. And
0: Inslee's coming at the end of his term in governorship, so I don't know. Yeah, no, that's an interesting take. And I do like the perspective he brings is he's saying, hey, when it comes to – having jobs that are seen as mostly blue collar. It's not that like, you, it's not that you need to bash fossil fuels. Cause if you do that, people are just going to be like, but what about me? What you need to say is yes, fossil fuels are bad. And yes, we need to come across and do things for climate change, but we also need to make sure that like those people don't get left behind. So when he made the comments about like, he has machinists working on things and I forget what other specific things he said, but basically I think whatever policy proposals he's going to put forward and I think I actually think I need to take a, a good, hard look at what his uh, climate change plan is, because AOC did call it the gold standard. And I think if part of that is, yes, people with your skill set, you have a place in this new green economy. So come on over and vote for me and I'll make sure you get jobs while protecting our future. And and I think that's, that's where the intersection needs to happen, because that's what it really is. I don't think it's about a love of fossil fuels it's i need money to survive in fossil fuels is how i've done it for the last 30 years yeah it's true it just it is kind of i mean we are the uh the
1: automotive economy based mm-hmm. country you know it's all oil it's tires it's cars uh and yeah so somehow that still lines up with people mm-hmm. uh and then of course uh you had the second day which included uh Biden, Sanders, Kamala Harris, Buddy Edge, Gillibrand, uh, Michael Bennett, John Hickenlooper, Eric Solwell, Marianne Williamson, and next week's man, Andrew Yang. Yes. Uh moment from the second debate is, of course, Kamala Harris's, uh address towards Biden. Oh, yeah. Um,
2: I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. Mm -hmm. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful, to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. It's
1: the, the old so, reveal. <laughs> that little girl was me. Classic line. I've used that technique before. Well, yeah. <laughs> there was a boy in Philly who enjoyed comic books. Uh, cheese steak. <laughs> that boy was jazz That's... uh yeah and joe biden of course uh had to then respond
2: among democrats we have to take it seriously we have to act swiftly
1: and uh vice president biden
2: do you agree today do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in america then no. do
0: <laughs> no, yeah. let me stop. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it yeah,
1: it wants to load an ad, so we're not gonna do an ad. But uh, yeah, essentially he has to respond to that, and uh, it really bursts the kind of the Biden bubble as far as uh, you know, he running on his record. Uh, he's got some spotty record in those early days in the Senate. Uh, and you know, I was Mister Biden for for several years. Still, am. I, I'm thinking he's he's. You're not going to be the uh, the candidate that gets the nomination.
0: Yeah, the, the interesting thing. So I, I want to say a few. I'm glad we brought up Biden because there's a few things I want to point out. First, I actually want to only point out something that's adjacent to Biden, in a sense. And that, that's the idea that um, from both people on the left and people on the right, especially those who uh, mm, oppose Trump, uh, there's the idea that the DNC is going to abscond with the election again. And I'm just like I get that sentiment, but you have to remember that like it, you have to know a little bit about um not the electoral college, but the delegates that go to um the Democratic National Committee and how those votes work. Uh, so yeah, we're about what about seven months away from Super Tuesday, which is like March fourth. Um, and there's three caucus or four caucuses that happen before then. Uh, And in total, of all the delegates of all the states uh, that there are Democratic uh, caucuses in, there are 4,016 votes up for grabs. And in order to get the nomination, you have to get 2,380 of those votes. Um, But before, there's also the votes of superdelegates. And the superdelegates are the ones that are a part of the Democratic Party establishment. Um, And those are a total of, I believe, 712 votes. Uh so what happened back then is that Clinton and uh Sanders were pretty neck and neck with each other when it came to the number of votes that they got from delegates um but it was the super delegates that used their voting power to push it over the top, so that she could become the candidate right so that 's understandable that people feel that way. but last year, in two thousand and eighteen, um, at the democratic national committees like summer convention, they all voted to uh, put limits on the superdelegate's power to choose the candidate. So the only way that the superdelegates can now choose a candidate is if there's a bit of a stalemate within the the delegate votes. And that means that there aren't enough delegate votes to get a particular candidate to uh, 2,380 votes. So, so if that's your level of pessimism there, I understand it. And I hope that alleviates it. Uh, I hope it alleviates it enough that right now in the Democratic Party, if you see your ideas being represented, um, that right now, um, even with gerrymandering and all that other bullshit, one, um, check in your state whether or not you need to actually be registered for that particular party in order to uh, vote in that caucus. Um, and even if you're a Republican and you want to vote in the caucus, you know what you can do. You can simply change your voting record to Democrat, vote in a caucus, and then change it back to Republican and vote however you want. Yeah. And and usually in a lot of places, because I'm registered as an independent, and where I have been registered as an independent, I've been limited from being able to vote down party lines because of it. So there's something to look at there. Whether you know if independence is something you like to label yourself as for voting purposes, because really the party support is a mechanism. It's a tool. Even though it correlates with a lot of things that happen, um, it doesn't actually have to represent all those things, right? So you can make somebody a quote-unquote Democrat, but that just means they're registered as a Democrat. Uh, but and you can, if you get more people registered, at least in this case, where I think we're at the place where we need to be advocating for the candidates that we want to advocate for, because it's the one part of our democracy that kind of isn't tainted by gerrymandering and all that bullshit. Right. Uh, so, so that's why like, yeah, so this is a part of that process and whoever you like, you know, shout it to the rooftops, put it on your Facebook, put it on your Twitters, have conversations with people. Right. I'm kind of on the, uh, uh, what's her name? Why do I oh I always be forgetting people's names? Uh, one of the candidates? Yeah,
1: yeah. o'rourke Booker, Castro, oh. Gabbard, Yang. Oh no, <laughs> not one of them. Because yeah, I was that, that I, I was I was gonna funny. give you the poll. Uh, because okay, so following the debates, uh, by Biden... Oh, Elizabeth
0: Warren. Sorry, my brain. Yeah, my brain's not oh, I didn't today. do the I didn't do the
1: first one. But... <laughs> uh, uh, Biden's still leading. Uh, the average of the main polls, which is coming out of The Economist, ABC News, Washington Post, mm-hmm. The Hill, CNN, and Politico, okay. averages out uh, to Biden leading at around 27%. Oh, but he took a dip. Yep. Oof. Uh Sanders and Harris, a uh, virtual tie at uh fourteen point eight, fourteen point seven. Okay. Uh with uh if you were to follow just the ABC News Washington Post, Biden would be clocking in at thirty. Okay. Sanders would be at nineteen. Uh-huh. And then Harris and Warren would be thirteen and twelve. Okay. So uh you know that's the the top. So you got footage still ranked with five percent at this point. Uh and then uh goes all the way down O'Rourke Booker, Castro, Gabbard, Yang, uh, Klobuchar, Bennett, and Gillibrand with half of a percent. So Yang is up to 1%, and in his highest ranking in a poll would be Politico with 2%. Okay, interesting. Uh, and, uh, and Warren, uh, ranging from The Economist's at 19%, putting her in second place, uh... And I and I and I actually would want to look up the algorithms for these because I'm a little curious on the Economist one. I would kind of actually believe it higher than an ABC News poll. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, I'm sure if I clicked on it, I'd get that information. Uh, it puts Biden at 23, Sanders only at nine. Harris at 15 and Warren at 19, making Mm. it a much closer race between Warden and and Biden, which is actually what I think is kind of happening.
0: Oh yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Because I was going to comment that on Elizabeth Warren, that she seems to be the candidate, like for the individuals who were diehard Clinton fans, um, I feel like Warren is a good replacement for the Clinton fl- uh, fans. Uh, from like, uh, uh, I guess you could say, identity politics in quotation standpoint of her being, you know, a cogent woman with uh with plans and being able to actually have that effect on people. Um, but I do think she's a better candidate than um Hillary Clinton because like she stopped going from being just like the person with the plants to like, y'all have a drink with you or, you know, let me talk to you to see how you're feeling. Like, you know, the, I don't think she was the one who said things that are happening at the, uh, the kitchen room table. I think that was Kamala Harris, but I feel like she's trying to, uh, put herself out there as the person that would sit down with you to say like, but so what policies do I need to put forth to make your life better everywhere? So,
1: right. And uh mentioning on what you were saying earlier about the caucuses, uh Iowa is on February third, New Hampshire follows that on the eleventh, uh-huh. Nevada on the twenty second, South Carolina on the twenty ninth, and then it moves up to March third, which is our first Super Tuesday. Super
0: Tuesday
1: Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado. Uh, abroad Democrats, so it's going to be your, your mail-in votes. Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, which is followed by a special election in Puerto Rico, which typically only caucuses Republicans. Interesting. Uh, March 10th, the following, kind of Super Tuesday, is Hawaii, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Ohio, Washington. So that's when ours, Oh yeah. March 10th. And then uh, you got a series coming up through uh, March and April, Uh, Arizona, Florida, Illinois on the 17th of of March. Georgia does a solo one on the 24th, Hawaii, Alaska, Louisiana on the 4th. And it moves on basically till you get your nomination sometime in June, July is when they're hosting the Democratic Convention, which is being hosted in... Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. I was
0: like, I don't remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, July thirteenth through the sixteenth next year. So one year from uh, today ish. Uh, so, uh, you know. Uh, for my fun topic. And then uh, are you gonna still, you still have some information on Tulsi Gabbard, right?
0: Um, uh, or did it
1: pretty much fit into our earlier conversation? It
0: fit into our earlier conversation. I feel like there was one other thing, like, cause the thing that I was saying about the pretext of just making sure that you advocate for your candidate was supposed to be like a prefix to Joe Biden. And I wanted to make some comments about Joe Biden. Uh, because you were talking about Jay Inslee earlier being sort of that dark horse vice presidential candidate that appeals to people. And I think that, that we forget that Joe Biden was chosen to be Obama's running mate because he needed to be that for other people who didn't want to see Obama as just like the coastal elite kind of young gun sort of guy. Right. And I think in that sort of role, Joe Biden does well. Um, And I do think that Joe Biden is kind of bringing in his his sort of, you know, old school take on things. And I think, you know, on account of wokeness or maybe just like we have a more nuanced understanding of how certain things in our society manifest that um, his presidency looks a little lukewarm for people who want to push way past that. Um, And I do think there's probably other candidates that um, like Pete Buttigieg, even though I think like his standings, has gone down in the polls, maybe because of what happened in South Bend with the police shooting, but also because he seems like he's trying too hard to be a centrist. Um that that but he's there for those individuals. So it'll be interesting. I think that Joe Biden um I don't think Joe Biden's out of the race yet as the poll show. Um I do think that Kamala Harris did some damage to him with that. And I think that whoever is on his campaign thinking about what policies that he's gonna put forth or or you know what sort of thing he's going to fight for i think he needs to account for that um and maybe make a cogent idea of like what have i learned what and and maybe like i guess my dream would be um if if joe biden came out and understood like the whole implicit bias and how like that structurally causes racism in a lot of places and how my ignorance to that and how me be calling for you know unity and civility kind of overlooks uh kind of the more pernicious things and and that happen, and that's where that was a blind spot that I have and I want to do better for it because that's basically what Kamala Harris was saying she was like yeah but and, and And she made a good point um and i think I think the most cogent point that uh Kamala Harris made there was the whole idea that like yes n- there are things that the state can do, and our constitution says that anything that's not codified. Uh, by the federal government, the states you do whatever right, and that 's why like a lot of the Supreme Court stuff is like well, it leaves it up to the states then, and she pointed out that some states um, even though it was enacted, they didn 't do their job to enact it i wouldn 't say correctly, but just enact it at all um and it 's up to the federal government to make sure that that happens, and by voting against um th- federal the federal stance of making you know busing and desegregation a thing um and, and that implicitly led to a deeper impact to african-american children and other american children in society because of that and so i think people who get it were like hell yeah other people who went like oh this is just fucking identity politics again i think we'll probably be on biden's side because you know it's the whole idea that um That that, like the racism is a good bad binary and like the two people are clashing over that. So yeah,
1: yeah. And so did you have any? So and then nothing additional to dive in on Tulsi that we didn't touch on in the first one.
0: Uh no, I I don't believe so. Uh yeah no, she's just been out there with most of the like she she paints herself as a progressive, um but definitely she went against uh Obama and some of his uh foreign uh let me see well there's a foreign Democrat. democratic uh, i put uh, i can't say cogent words because i i'm trying to say that when it came to his military efforts and everything like that she was definitely opposed to him and that m- maybe made her a little bit different in the democratic party but i do i do i think that hopefully as the as she come as more debates happen that she's a little bit more like she has some new ideas or like different ideas that set her apart from everyone else. Um, Cause I do think she's still, I, I, I find, I definitely keep finding her viability with those on the right. An interesting thing. And maybe that intersection is one you need to win the election, but also something that can be good for a large swath of Americans. Exactly.
1: Well, for my fun segment today, uh i'm gonna do uh, a bit i like to call celebrations and shoutouts woo! yeah oh yeah you want to woo let's do a woo. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right so uh celebrations and shoutouts taking a moment to uh celebrate and talk about some things that are going on first of all uh a callback in a way to our last discussion about the Toronto Raptors. Oh, yeah. Uh, Drake from the Six and Raptors rejoice as they claim the NBA title this year, bringing it up north for the first time ever. Yeah, studio audience loves it. Big Toronto fans here in the studio. Uh, And so Kawhi Leonard, of course, free agent now, denying the option of... Uh, but could still resign with the the raptors is uh scouting his talents looking around seeing uh big news he might join lebron in the lakers perhaps. oh my god we don't need that uh. uh being a uh southern california boy that he is oh, okay. uh he may also in another move join the clippers oh, so okay. there's a few that he might resign with the raptors so uh that's a a, a thing that could all happen uh, of course uh, today is uh, July 4th uh, so or yeah is the Independence Day so <laughs> birthday party horn noise for yes, that one indeed uh, and uh, yeah so celebrate America be safe out there. You've uh, already done it if you're listening to this because right? I didn't put it out before uh but uh otherwise you know hope you had a safe holiday uh remember uh you know to celebrate patriotism without uh nationalism <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah 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 there you go yeah so and if uh, you want to have a
0: debate have the most american debate you can hot dogs ketchup. Or mustard.
1: It's true. And uh, celebration and shout out to former guests of the show, uh, Nick and Liz, of the famous Nick and Liz Quiz. Oh, yeah. They um, got married. Got married. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Whoa, whoa. Studio audience yeah. that likes to fuck. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's fun. Oh, shout out to our friends and guests and possibly future guests of the uh, How You Live In show. Uh, Congratulations to them. Uh, It was also Chaz's birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was. I'm old. Uh, So that's uh, a big deal. Uh, Congratulations to Chaz making it around the sun one more time. Uh, And then uh, what else do I got? Uh, Shout out in celebration to the people that I always shout out on this show, the All Fantasy Everything podcast. Uh, I went and saw them live with this crowd. They they love the AFE and uh, yeah they were great. We saw them at the uh, showbox, oh, okay. which is possibly on the chopping block. Showbox. Oh no, you know so Again? you know it's just kind of uh, it's always in the balance. So it was cool to to see another show there. Uh, my boys, Ian Carmel, uh, Sean Jordan. Mr. David Borey and a special guest from Seattle Aaron Engel performing a live version of All Fantasy Everything nice Uh, tune into that in the future when they post it Um, and yeah it was a real fun show so shout out and celebrations to them and shout out to the gentleman and possible future guest Alexander Pence (laughs) who joined me for that show, and he also produces a comedy show that I like to take in on Fridays called Troll Farm at the Adiball here in Seattle. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a fun little uh, arcade that also hosts a Friday night comedy show. uh, I did not know that. Starts promptly at 7 p.m., show up a little early to get a seat. Uh, Funny, funny people from uh, Seattle and further away uh, doing comedy in a local uh, matter. And uh, shout-out and celebrations to my brother, uh, who is getting married in two weeks. Oh, wow. So to his uh, lovely wife, Rachel, Weston and Rachel, congratulations to them. uh, And I will be in the short future. Uh, participating in said wedding. So. Jail. Uh and uh I think I think that's really kind of the round out of what I had going on. Uh I don't know if we celebrated the blues. They won a a title as well last month oh. in the National Hockey League bringing the first one to St. Louis. Oh, snap, get it. So, uh shout out to them. You know, it's them the treatment. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and shout-out to me, finally, for adopting my new best friend and cat from the Seattle Humane Society during the Lenny's Barbecue. My main man, Cat-tastic, moved from L.A., Tiger. Now my best friend and currently at my house. And in the future, listening to this show. <laughs> meow, meow, buddy. Meow, <laughs> yeah, meow. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, those are my uh, fun time uh, segment. Celebrations and shout outs with the accompaniment of a party horn and a studio audience. I'm sorry I didn't tell you about the studio audience ahead of the show. Chaz. I mean I really just sprung that on you, but
0: Yeah, I'm surprised they can all fit in here. I know, man. That's <laughs> what
1: that's where we get the money for the million dollars and the five hundred thousand dollar studios. So <laughs> it's to make the space for the studio audience that we just hardly ever have. Um but yeah, those are that's uh that's my fun little bit. Uh you know, the raptors they did it, so that's pretty Indeed. cool. Uh Kawhi is now king of Canada and uh Drake can can record some happy songs, I guess, on his next album. <laughs> title oh Uh, hey
0: that'd be a good that's a good track title i don't know yeah maybe yeah
1: (laughs) well yeah you know and meek mills free and their friends so you know they can uh oh shit you know put together something meek's got a trophy because he's you know loves the eagles they won the other year for the super bowl so you know oh yeah the title contending young rapping men. Uh and so yeah that's uh that's my fun segment uh what else our main topics did you want to bring in before we uh set sail on our own uh
0: I guess uh two things so one we're gonna do Yang the next time we record uh and Angry Yang he definitely has a lot of like media stuff to go into and he also puts out a lot of his um. Uh, The policies on the Internet. So that's interesting. It's I think what I find the most interesting about him is his intersection with those on the right, because I do find a lot of people on the right like him. Um, And there is a degree of coalition building that can probably happen there. Um, and the other thing is that, like, after that whole thing that went down in Portland because of, like, Antifa and the Proud Boys. Right. Right? And me, like, when this all started, when the whole, like, free speech things and all that, like, I didn't quite understand it. But after, like talking to some people, seeing comments on different posts and seeing like where the divide is. I actually think that, um, the divide, like where maybe your axioms are on this and where mine are, cause now I'm kind of like reconsidering them or like thinking about them a little bit more. And it's, I think you should ask too, like, well, I think the basis of it happens is, uh, from the intersections of speech and violence, Right, So I think the question one that people need to ask about it is, can speech be violent? And if your answer is no, then you probably fall under the side that Antifa are fascists because they're beating people who are saying things they quote unquote don't like. Um, But... But if you say yes, and then you go to question two, can you, uh, let me see, can you oppose the violent speech with violent action? Then if your answer is no, then again, you probably would go to the point where fascists are being, you know, just taking away someone's right to speak but if you say yes then that kind of sees where you would align with antifa because what they're saying like because groups like the proud boys and patriot pair are considered nazis in this sort of day and age that because that they exist in that sense that you you have a moral obligation to attack their speech which is violent in in its nature so and that's why I was like, oh, okay. So now I kind of, now that I kind of get where that divide is, right, I'm always kind of like, okay. Uh, like, that second one is, I feel like, because I usually ask, it depends in a lot of things, right? Like it depends on what you consider violent, right? Depends on what the violence of the speech is saying, right? Depends on who it's attacking, right? There, there's a lot of things that it depends. There, I couldn't just blanket say no, but I have seen friends who blanket say no, no matter what the speech is, you can't say anything. Like you, you can never meet it with force, right? So I'm just like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, no, yeah, it's
1: it's 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 been a big debate since that event. I mean, the and the and the type of media that you consume would uh, dictate the storylines that you hear regarding that. You mm-hmm. know, whether it's fascists attacked in Portland or anti-fascists defend their right to have a free and liberal city. Uh, it depends on which news agency you you saw it on and which. Uh, kind of like you're saying position you support Mm yeah and it is interesting seeing you know these guys because the patriot pair you know they do wear bulletproof vests sometimes and have helmets like military Mm -hmm. style helmets and things and they do all this kind of like they'll be carrying like batons so, you know, the photos of them being like that is, is easy to then see, well, then someone needs to defend themselves against that. And then they show now, you know, the aftermath with the bloodied face or, mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, the victim, the victim, yeah. Um, it's going to be a debate that continues. I mean, that, that that's kind of the part that's w- we, we've we talked about in the show about the uh, divisiveness of the, the argument these days, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, like before I didn't know where it was coming from, but now that i think if right, i and people who listen to it can say no that's not right chaz or right? like challenge me on that if you think that's not the case but like trying to get down to like the axiomatic view the The thing about your view and politics that really can't be changed with, like, facts and figures, but more, like, about how you feel about them. And ultimately, what it comes down to is people might disagree with it, but it is a philosophical argument, right? Because it's, like, you, based on just, like, how humans are, I don't think you can always say this is definitively true or definitively false. Uh, But you can advocate for your side by saying, like, I think this is the case because this is what it leads to. Um, or you can say this is the case because this is what it leads to, and I've heard arguments on both sides. And I can tell you right now, I don't know where exactly I've fallen under those. Right at first, like when I saw it, I was like, if they if they instigate it, right, then they put it on them. But then, like, how far is that instigation? And that's when I figured out this, like, oh, violence and speech is speech violent. That's where that intersection happens, right? And that's where that conversation probably needs to happen is, like, do do you find their speech violent and and everything like that? Uh, But also as well as – oh, what else do I want to have to say about this? That that I definitely think – oh, well, one of the things that I've always – like, when it was about free speech – Right. And and of course, like saying it, you know, that's not really how it is, but it's kind of like that sort of uh, what is uh, written into law versus like what is our understanding of something by default. And I think a lot of our understanding about free speech things are things by default Mm -hmm. because I always say like, yeah, but you know that like you do like change your speech depending on a situation like I, and I always uh, sometimes I've flippantly said it, but now I'm starting to think of it more just like think about it in the sense of, Hey, am I allowed to curse in front of your children? Right. If your answer is no, why? Aren't you coming down on my free speech when you do that? Right, if it's all if all things are equal? Right. And and I think the same argument you can make for that, you can also make for, you know, the violence and speech thing. So that's right. That's kind of how I'm looking at the intersection of those two ideas there.
1: And uh the debate will continue and move forward just as uh other debates in the political party are gonna continue and move forward and we'll keep having new candidates and new viewpoints and discussions and arguments. Uh also, uh other episodes in the future. Uh I'm thinking we should uh we should move out on this one, man. I think we did it. Yeah. Uh as always you can get a hold of me on the Twitter sphere at C Town Mayor. I'm gonna help your municipality by the coast. Uh, you can get at the show at H Y L box at gmail.com. Uh, that is the email for the show. Uh, keep track of us, uh, listen, rate and review. I'm going to add us to Spotify this week. That was something I didn't, uh, someone told me they listened to podcasts on Spotify and I realized we're not on there. So, Oh, and you know how to do that. Yes. I'm going to apply it to to be on the list for Spotify and any other kind of major stuff. Shoot us that email or that tweet telling us what you uh, listen to your podcast on and if you can find us, the How You Live In Podcast with Mikkel and
0: Chaz. Uh, Chaz, how can they get at you? Um, you can find me um, at ChazBaz on Twitter and on the Instagrams. Um, also I want to let y'all know who I'm going to do my deep dives in after Andrew Yang. Um, I'm going to look at Kamala Harris now that Kamala Harris has put herself out there as a candidate that people are probably going to try to sink their teeth into. Um, also I'm going to look at Bill de Blasio because Bill de Blasio came out of nowhere with some progressive leanings. And everything. I mean, I've heard some skepticism on him, like whether it's real or if it's just for political gain only. But I think because of his performance at the debates, I think he gets another look. And then my last one is Julian Castro. Uh, Because I think Julian Castro also kind of broke out a little bit in some spaces that I've seen for people who are looking at there. So Andrew Yang and then those three and we'll go from there. Hopefully that should take us into the next debate and see who's the winners and the losers of that. And, you know, go from there. But advocate for who you want. Advocate them for me on my Facebooks or not my Facebook, uh, my Twitter or my Instagrams or, you know. And one of these days we're finally going to start streaming on TikTok to try to get, you know, other people activated at a new no yeah. point of people. We're,
1: we're we're gonna do some video moves. We're yeah. gonna maybe do some live show moves. Uh I'm gonna uh, be launching some other shows, perhaps. Things Genial. things in the works. Uh but this has been episode seventy five of how you living. As always, Chaz. Appreciate you, man.
0: I appreciate you too, Mikael.
1: This has been fun. Take care of yourselves and others. Uh we out, man. Peace. Late. Huh. I'm going baby on baby uh-huh.
0: That nigga a bitch He think he a gangster He probably still slangin' 380 huh. Probably told you I'm lit Come get you a snip. I'm pure like cocaine in the 80s Pull up rockin' all white like I'm got it huh. Put him up like a kite if he tried me Yo. Got him watching my life is exciting Just FaceTime my daughter, she laughing and smilein'
2: uh.